Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast to help you scale your Shopify store into a money-making machine. This podcast is brought to you by Yotpo. Make retention easy and affordable with Yotpo subscriptions. Download Yotpo subscriptions from the Shopify app store today and visit apps.shopify.com slash Yotpo subscription. Now over to your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone who's not tuned in before, welcome to the show. Absolute pleasure to have you with us. My name's Nick, and I've been hosting the show for about two years now, or just over two years. And for anyone that's been listening for a long time, welcome back. Absolute pleasure to have you with us. I see you guys in all the stats, so glad you're enjoying the journey. I'm glad you're finding this podcast useful. Today, we're doing something a little bit different, which I do say quite a lot. But today, we're going to be doing an episode. Well, I say we're doing an episode. We're not doing an episode. I am doing an episode. It's just going to be me, I'm afraid. So feel free to tune out now, jump away if you need to. But equally, you've probably seen the title and thought, right, got to listen to this one. This one's going to be good. I hope it is. I'm going to be sharing some of the top tips from my team and also from previous episodes and previous guests that we've had on the show. As you've probably seen in the title, we're going to be talking today about how to make your first million on Shopify. I was just trying to decide what currency to say the first million was going to be as well. And we're going with dollars. So that's probably the, the figure you've seen on there. If I made your first million dollars, we realized that if it was in Vietnamese dong or a whole range of other currencies, a million wouldn't have been much at all. It'd probably buy you a small ice cream in L. So we're going to be talking about how to make a million dollars on Shopify. I'm going to be sharing some top tips on how to get there quickly and also sharing some of the learnings we've had from previous guests and also what I think you guys should be doing to make more money from Shopify. There are quite a few episodes where there's certain things I'm thinking in my head like, oh, we should talk about that. We should say that. Today is said episode. Um, It doesn't always fit the bill. There's things I want to share, things I want to talk about, but we don't always get the chance. So this topic allows me to go to pretty much the A to Z and give you guys some really direct do do this and don't do this type things, again, based on previous guests. We've got three sections. We're going to talk about starting. We're going to talk about scaling. And then we're also going to talk about something at the end where there's a single point I want to make as a third and final section before we say goodbye. So we're going to go straight into the starting section. And just to flag, this is not just for people starting out. You might be a year or two or five years into the journey, and there might be several points in this stage that you're thinking, we haven't actually done that. But if we did do that, we could make more money. Today is not a capitalist. We're just going to make money and not care about anything else. Today is quite the opposite. We're going to talk about how to sustainably scale up a business and get it started in the first place so that it can scale. So We've got eight points in the starting section. So the first point that I want to make is don't sell junk. The amount of times we've had inquiries, we've seen Shopify stores that are doing, I'm going to, I'm going to name and shame it. It's not the worst thing ever. And there are good ways of doing this, but drop shipping, where you're just drop shipping any old product and you've got Dave's online, sorry to anyone called Dave is listening, but Dave's online junk market and you're selling anything you can find and stick a margin on. And it's all, yeah, it's all done through some sort of drop shipping channel. Think about your product really, really carefully. And I know a lot of people do do that. The next thing to do once you've thought about your product, and maybe not even thought about it, maybe actually finding a problem and coming up with a solution to something using some sort of product, some sort of device or guidance or piece of equipment that's going to change people's lives. And even the changing lives doesn't have to be drastic. 
Leading me on to point number two then. So in terms of what to sell, this is a stage that a lot of people I, I, I fear just miss and just don't think about. They just, you get very wrapped up in it. I ran my own store. I know what it's like. And you're just so kind of, this product's amazing. Let's just get this product out there now. Let's stick it on the shelves. Let's let people buy it. And people will just be flocking in their millions. Point number two is test the water and adapt the product. Adapt the product until it's going to work, until it gets to a point where you're like, this product now is ready. And not only that, I can prove it. I can prove that it's ready. So that might include getting some people to actually try the product, getting people to play with the product. It might involve sending out some specific product testing companies. When we had the sunglasses brand, we sent off one of each of our sunglasses to a company to test if the lenses actually provided, I think it was CE protection or something like that. My business partner dealt with a lot of that, but we did it. It cost us about £1,000, which is about $1,200, to send some products off and then get a certification back that we could put on the website to say, okay, we've tested these products and these products are actually safe. They will protect your eyes from the sun. Now, the reason we did that was not because it became our big USP. We didn't start writing it in our Google ads and going, this product protects your eyes from the sun. Because how stupid would that sound when you're talking about a pair of sunglasses? Of course, that's what sunglasses should do. It became one of our later USPs. We listed out all the different reasons why somebody would buy from us and what we thought was important to each of the different customers. And then we listed them back and worked out which is the most important that needs to go in our sort of forefront advertising for someone to go, oh, that's interesting. And what we actually went with that is the sunglasses are made of wood. So we went down the sustainability route that, you know, we did some testing, we spoke to some customers and they told us that that was the most important thing for them is sunglasses break from time to time and they always feel bad breaking a plastic pair of sunglasses and then having to put them in the bin and then some plastic has gone to waste. Whereas wood, chuck it in your garden, put it in the compost, you know, you still put it in the rubbish to go to the, uh, to go to the rubbish tip, but wood's going to break down and biodegrade pretty quickly. So happy days in that sense. So test the water and adapt your product. The next one's really important, point number three on starting out. Point number three is that you've got to get your branding right. Branding, as one of my team described this morning when I asked my team here for ideas on what to do on this, my team said branding is huge. Huge is the word that they all said. Branding is so important in terms of getting your business right. If you don't brand it properly, and branding is it's the logo, which everybody thinks about, it's the colour scheme. It's the different, when I say color scheme, it's do you use white backgrounds or black text on top, or do you go for kind of blue text? Do you use shouty stuff like we do in our business? To sort of, we want to make you more money. You know, we shout about it a lot. And certainly the podcast, you know, we've gone with bright pink as our, 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 our latest, latest version of the logo because we want to make a lot of noise. Whereas actually, is your product something that you want to use a color palette, for example, that's quite soft and quite reassuring? And this product's going to help you. It's going to help you feel better, look better, be better. It's going to help you with your health. For example, you want to go for a much softer palette probably on that, unless you do want to decide actually for our customers, we want to be quite shouty and quite loud. And those aren't the only two options. There's infinite options. But have a think about that branding. That branding also needs to include what I would describe as a simple yet powerful story. So the branding isn't just about going, right, cool logo, great font, sizing's right, looks like a racing car and we sell caffeine shampoo for example. That's not what the branding is just about. It's also about this story. And the story as well, and this is where we can all get a little bit selfish, I think, and a bit self-centered as businesses, as business owners. The story isn't necessarily just you. 
So a powerful story, for example, we had a company called Billy Footwear on the podcast quite a while ago. And the founder from Billy Footwear was on the show. And he was telling us that he said, look, I'm disabled and I can't do my own shoes up because I'm disabled. I'm in a wheelchair. I, I physically cannot get my hands down there to do it. So he's invented a shoe that has a zip that goes around the outside. So you can put your foot in the shoe and zip it up. And he said it was so liberating for the first time in literally decades he could do his own shoe up. So as far as branding is concerned, there's several... I don't want to kind of go down the route and say like, this is really salesy and the angle we go down to sell more of them. But it's it's a powerful story that they've got several different verticals they can go down with this. One of them is going, okay, if you're disabled, this is a shoe for you. So every disabled person in the world, you are a target customer of ours. And not all disabilities are in a wheelchair. There's loads of different disabilities that might prevent you from doing your shoes up. Equally, their shoes are laced on top. And some people are challenged with doing their laces up. So the shoe then also works for those guys because it's got laces on top that are done up, but it's the zip that does the shoe up, that tightens it. So you don't have to do the laces on a regular basis. But you can now, after years of maybe wearing Velcro shoes or slip-ons, you can now wear laced shoes again and have that same cool look that everybody else has that you want to have. So it can be liberating. And the story there is not just the fact that the founder is disabled and why he, you know, what led him to, you know, help sort of develop this product and start this business. But the story is also, it makes it the customer story. You know, do you struggle with this? Well, here's a solution for you. And it can be liberating even just finding out what it is, let alone actually buying the product and wearing it every day. And the third point I want to make on branding, we'll call it point three C. So branding being point three, branding is huge, simple yet powerful story. And then and then C on here, make sure your brand provides value. And value is a very funny word because to one person, value will mean the cheapest possible price which is what it might mean for your audience. You might go into an industry going, do you know what? Everything is so overpriced in this industry. We're going to provide a cost-effective solution. And that is perfectly viable. And a lot of businesses do that, but it's not for everybody. So the providing value could also be like, look, this product isn't cheap, but look what it does. You know, like you get a lot for your money here. You get a, you get a lot for, for what you're paying for. It was only a few days ago we were talking. I, I can't say what it is because it's quite top secret, but there's a new Shopify store coming out that we're working with and they're launching quite a confidential product that is a mode of transport and it solves about sort of 20 to 30 different problems. And again, it's quite powerful looking at the different ways that this product works and the fact that every single element of this product is interchangeable as well. So if something breaks, something goes wrong on this method of transport, you can quite quickly change it. And it then starts to play into several markets of you can take it anywhere and get it fixed nice and quick and cheap. You can also fix it yourself. You can also therefore modify it, make it quite unique. So again, providing value is so important. And that comes down to everything from, you know, getting the price right, just on price quickly. We did an exercise with a client a few years ago where we doubled every single price on the website. Their sales dropped by 35%. So any mathematicians out there can work out they made a hell of a lot more money. So they're only providing 65% of the amount of products, but at double the price. So they were making a lot more money simply by increasing the price of product. As a result, they could afford to ship it faster. They could afford to put better packaging on that product. And they could afford to increase the guarantee and warranty to lifetime. So lifetime warranty on that product. So actually increasing the price isn't a con at all. They added a lot of value for that, which actually then increases the chance of people wanting to buy it. So they've lost the conversion rate, but they've gained a lot of revenue by increasing that price. Number four, this one, I'm afraid to say, was pretty much unanimous amongst our team. 
So point number four is that you need to learn Shopify. And it doesn't just stop at Shopify, I'm afraid. If you're going to run an online e-commerce business, you first need to know about online and you need to learn about e-commerce and you need to learn about business. So Shopify is the one that we were talking about internally. It was mostly our SEO team was saying, do you know what? If our clients knew Shopify better and how it works and what it does, we could do SEO at a much faster pace. So it's something we're always looking to do as a business is we call it training through delivery. We always try to train our clients while we're delivering things. The more you learn about Shopify, the quicker you're going to be able to grow this business. And therefore, you start to loosen the reliance on third parties like web developers or agencies or people that make themes or you know even people like us. Uh, running your ads for you. The more you learn about all these different things, the more you know where you're getting the right value, the more you know when you're getting the best results. And the quicker you, as the business owner, the, the sort of, I always call the business owner like elastic time. You know, as a business owner myself, we dive in and out of things as much as we need to to keep the world's in motion. It comes, with, it comes with the role. And if you're anything like me, you absolutely love it. I absolutely love every day I get different challenges, team going, oh, this client's not happy about this or that project's not going well enough or this client, they're making profit, but I just can't grow it. I love those challenges. And that, and that is something that if you know more about Shopify and you know how Google Ads works, and you know about SEO and you know about Facebook ads and email and all the rest of it, it doesn't take long to learn these things these days. The systems are more intuitive and easier to use than ever. So the more you learn about those things, the, the more you're basically getting rid of vulnerability in the company and in the business. So if something breaks in Shopify, you know how to roll Shopify back like two hours back to before it was broken and it's working so your customers can keep trading while you work out what the problem is. And so again, the more you can learn to do on these things, and there's millions of resources from, you know, we've got our own course that we're currently revamping, which probably shouldn't have said that, but that's fine. We'll leave that in there. We're currently working on doing a complete revamp of our Shopify course. But there are lots of courses out there that you can pay for. There are consultants you can talk to to get advice. There are YouTube videos and every single app, every single platform will have YouTube videos, support areas. You can ask questions. You can find help for things you need help on and get the tools to work harder for you because you're learning how they work. So you want to learn as much as you can about those things. And then that means when you are working with external resources like agencies or freelancers or even employing staff, you're hiring those people to expand what you're already doing rather than invent or pioneer a way to do something for your business that's never been done before. So don't get me wrong. There are times where like, you know, I, I don't know much about PR. So when our business does, I mean, I say I don't know much. I'm running this podcast. This is, you know, definitely public relations. But there, there will be a lot of things where you don't have much experience. If you don't know about PR, rather than getting a PR agency to go out and get you loads of PR activity, you might start, and I would highly recommend you start by going, what can PR do for me? I'm going to go and listen to some podcasts on PR. I'm going to watch some YouTube videos. I'm going to read some case studies. I'm going to do some Googling and try and find out what some of my competitors are doing in the press at the moment and learn a bit about it. Then I'm going to get a consultant in for a couple of days, freelance consultant, and maybe pay them, you know, for a couple of days work to say, right, do two days for me. One day, can you just have a look at my whole business and give me some examples of where PR can help and what it can do and deliver that back. Then I want you to do the second day and the second day's work for me. I want you to then work with me and teach me how we're going to go and maximize some of these things. You know, is this something you're going to do? Is it something another agency is going to do? Or is it something I can go away and do myself? And, and better than that, if you can find any videos on YouTube, for example, saying how to do PR on your Shopify store yourself, 
Well, that's a great place to start. It's not going to cost you any money. And if it doesn't work, you've lost a bit of time, but that's fine. You've learned something. But if it does work and you do get some result from that PR activity, you make some sales and get some orders in, well, happy days. You know, you're already on point number six and I'm only talking about point number four now, which is how to get your first bit of traffic. So we'll come on to that in a minute. But again, you need to learn these things is the point that I'm making. Point number five, choose your apps wisely. I highly recommend an episode from a few weeks ago. Lindsay from a business called Byte, B-I-T-E. And if you search Byte Toothpaste, if you search it on Google, you'll find her Shopify store. When she set out, she did a load of research and she decided that Shopify was going to be the best e-commerce platform for her. Not for everybody, but it was for her. And then she also chose an app called Recharge. Recharge manages subscriptions and a whole load more. They sponsored our podcast last month, which is why we had Lindsay on talking about Recharge. But my point being is, If you keep grabbing apps going, I want an app that shows a spin the wheel and people can get discounts. And then I want another app that's going to do a newsletter sign up because I want some newsletters. I'm going to get another app that does live chat so people can talk to us and we'll put a chatbot in the way first. And if you get through the chatbot, you can talk to a real human, but that'll be me. So I'll have it coming through as a text message. And then we also want one that if you go to exit the site, you know, if your mouse goes up towards the back button or the close button, we give you like a 15% off a discount code if you give us an email address now. So you've just added five or six, seven, eight, nine, ten different pop-ups and overlays on your site. If you've just added them, you've annoyed every single customer that is ever going to come onto your site. So choose your apps wisely. Have a think about what does this app do? And the general rule with apps and, and technology as a whole is less is more. So the less technology you have that do more things for you, the better. So for example, we use Google Workspace here. So we use it for as much as possible. We use it for all our docs, our spreadsheets, which is how we work as a team and how we engage with each other. We use it for email. And because it's on Google, we also use Google Ads to run advertising campaigns. We use Google Analytics to monitor those advertising campaigns. We use Google Data Studio to monitor how things are going. So one login gives anyone in my team access to all of that as well as Google Drive, which is a complete folder folder structure system where you can lock folders, you can hide them from other people, and you can also collaborate on lots of things. So again, try and have less technology doing more things each. If you've only got three systems, which might be sort of Shopify, you know, Recharge, and then maybe on top of that, you get Clavio to run your email or something. You've got three systems and actually everything from Recharge will run through Shopify. So you've only got really two systems, which is Clavio and Shopify to make talk to each other. So one integration to do. And that one integration will drive absolutely everything for you. Better still, Clavio have a Shopify app. So you plug it in, the two are talking to each other. You change a customer in Clavio, it changes in Shopify. If you change them in Shopify, it changes in Clavio. So less tech is better. And when you're starting out, you have an opportunity to look at tech and get it right. If you're not starting out and you're thinking, oh gosh, Nick, you're telling me to use less apps and I've got, you know, 30, 40, 50 or something on there, all doing different things, some are dormant, go and clean them out. Get rid of the ones that aren't working. And if there's three or four that are doing similar things, maybe think about getting rid of all of them and finding a new one that would do all of those things in one go. Shopify themselves are very good if you contact support or go on the forums to say, you know, what apps are you people using on their stores at the moment? Or I, you know, I have one app that manages comments on my website, another one that does orders and manages the customer account. It says anybody have an app where I can just have one app that manages all of my customer logins across the board. That particular one, someone will probably say Shopify does that for you. So choose apps that use the Shopify account for for each customer. Keep it nice and simple. Lovely. Point number six then. So I referenced this already. Once you've got your apps, you've got your store set up, you've learned a bit about Shopify, you've got an awesome brand. You're probably sitting there going, we spent quite a lot of money and quite a lot of time. We need some sales. And this is the bit where we get some sales. So plan your first intake of traffic is point number six. 
There are lots of ways to do this. And what you probably don't want to do, which a lot of businesses do do, and it can work, it cannot work. And actually, I think there's a better way of doing it when you're starting out, a slower and more steady way of doing it. Lots of businesses turn to something like Facebook ads or Google ads and just go, right, let's put some ads in, turn the taps up, start spending $200 a day. Let's see what happens. And sort of one one in 10 use cases like that, you start making some sales and it works. Nine in 10, it can be a bit disappointing. The reason it's disappointing is because you've never optimized your website. You've got no data to tell you who buys what, where they buy it from, what's popular, which products they like, which ones they don't. You've done a bit of research, but you don't have any data. You don't have any actual sort of trading data to go, this is good and this is not good. So what I would highly recommend and the way I would approach it if I was starting my Shopify store again now, and the way lots of Shopify stores we've had on the show recently have done it as well, is a lot of them have actually started with, rather than looking straight away at Google Ads, they started with something like Kickstarter, or they've teamed up with an influencer, or actually they've done a big splash on something like PR. So what they've actually done is gone, right, we're going to drive a ton of traffic to the site in one big blast. So we're not going to use something like Google Ads or Facebook Ads or SEO where we sort of start slow, build it up. Okay, it's making money. Let's double the budget or increase the budget a bit. And all that's making more money now. You know, it took us two months to optimize it once we increase the budget and get it working. What you might decide to do and what I would highly recommend is blast a load of traffic to the site because you will find it'll be a lot cheaper. You'll find out very quickly what sells, what doesn't sell. You'll also have a load of cash in your in your bank account if it has worked. And if it hasn't, you've got your answer. You know, our branding's not working, our product's not working, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I would do little blasts on things to try and get some traffic in, get some customers in. And that then leads me on to point number seven. Point number seven, I'm calling this milk your first customers, which I know is a horrible analogy if you think about it in the wrong way. But milk your customers in terms of information. Say every single time you get an order, I would almost say your first 100, maybe even 200 orders, I would phone those people, I would ask them questions, I would send them emails saying, look, we've just started out, you are one of our first customers, thank you so much for buying from us. If I send you a free product, or I refund your order, you know, or you'd have to even offer that, can I just have a chat? Can I have 20 minutes of your time? I want to ask you some questions. And you ask the questions, how did you find us? What was it about that particular advert or that signpost that you liked that you decided to help you come into our website? When you arrived on our website, what did you think? You know, what do you think of our website? Do you think it's a good website? Do you think it's complicated? And they will tell you, yeah, the delivery information is really complicated, but I thought I quite like this product. And if it's not any good, I'll send it back because you do free returns. So I'll just go for it. And I was quite disappointed when I found out it was $10 to have it delivered. But I thought I'll pay it anyway, because if it's any good, I'll keep it. Well, that's really useful information. Let's make the delivery information simpler. And actually, why don't we increase the price of our products by 3 or $4 and then lower delivery costs down to like 3 or $4. And then we'll take a sort of 2 or $3 per product hit. But actually, if you've increased the price of your products by $2 each and people are buying five on average, that's your $10 off a free delivery. So commercially, it actually works the same. So... Again, getting that feedback is so important. The feedback I would get from them is, why did you come to us? Why did you buy from us? What did you buy? What did you like? What did you not like? The third question is who? Who are you? Who do you think we are? Who led you to us? That sort of thing. And then the final, and I tried to make this rhyme, why, what, who review? So you got the why, you got the what, you got the who. The last one I think is review. Ask them, it's been great talking to you. If I could ask you to do one more thing, please. Could you just leave us a little review on Trustpilot or Yotpo or reviews.io or FIFA or any of the other big review platforms? Could you leave us a quick review? It'd be enormously helpful to us, please. Because the thing you, you kind of have when you launch a new store is you've got the chicken and egg, right? You need enough orders to then start generating some reviews from a third-party platform like any of those. 
But to get orders, you need to convince people to buy from you. So you need the reviews. So this is a good way that even if you're paying massively over the odds over the odds for your first few customers, getting reviews can help you get more customers in quicker by starting to then feedback. People have bought this and they like it. And then finally, point number eight on the starting out section is perfect repeat orders. And what I mean by this is if you get one order from a customer, and also if you listen to podcasts regularly and you don't know what I'm talking about, you've completely missed July. So <laughs> July July was repeat order 101. We had Recharger with us for two episodes. We had three of their merchants on the other three episodes. We did five in total in July. But repeat orders, if a customer buys from you once and you've used something like Google Ads, chances are it's cost you $20, $50, $100, sometimes more, depending on what you're selling and how competitive your market is. So getting a second order from that customer instantly doubles your return on investment. And obviously they have to spend double, but the point being that the more they trust you, the more they should be spending with you. And even if they come back and spend less the next time, when they come back, it should be from an email or from a social media post they've seen because they're now following you on social. It might be following, like I just said in point number seven, it might be following a conversation with you where they're like, wow, I really get the brand now. I love these guys. You know, I've just spoken to the founder they're a great business. I like their products and I really want to help them out. And a good example of that is everybody wants to help out their local shops. You know, there's certain cafes I buy coffees from because I want to help out the local shop. And sometimes when we're deciding what sort of takeaway to get, I will say to my wife, you know, let's not go to a chain. Let's go to that new pizza place that just opened. You know, we went there last time. We did like it. And the guy that owns the entire restaurant was the one making our pizza that we spoke to. And he's a fascinating guy. We now have that connection. I'm going to enjoy going there a lot more than just, you know, queuing up at Wagamama's or I was going to say Burger King. My My wife wouldn't go near Burger King. And neither would I, of course. But yeah, nothing against Burger King, but trying to be healthy these days. So yeah, getting those repeat orders in is so important. So perfect that. Find out if I send this email, we get orders. If I send this email, we don't get orders. Ask your customers again, going back to point seven, what do you want to buy next? You know, you might have bought a, you know, might, might have bought a push chair from us or a pram or a buggy as they're, as they're called in, in other countries. You might have bought one of those. What do you want to buy next? And is there anything you want for your buggy that you don't have that you wish you had? And they might say, I really want an umbrella actually. So when it's really sunny, I can put the umbrella up and it protects my child from the sun. And, you, and then you can sort of sit and think, well, we've developed this amazing pushchair. Umbrella's not going to be difficult. And if we add those, we could sell them at an extra price point on top and say, if you want one with one of these, add that in near the cart. You've just increased your average order value. And you can email all your past customers going, would you like an umbrella to go with your, go with your pushchairs? And I got that example because someone's just walked past the office with a pushchair. So yeah, perfect those repeat orders. It's going to make you so much more money in the long run. So that's the end of that section. So we've started out. So we are still very far away from the million mark, but we're not selling rubbish products. We've tested out the products and adapted them. So now they're good products. They've gone from good to great because we've really tested them. Our branding's good. We've got a great story. Our customers feel like they're part of that story, even new customers. And we provide clear value. We know what we're doing on Shopify so we can make changes to it quickly. We've learned a little bit about marketing and some other stuff. So we know how to work with partners now or how to do things ourselves. We've chosen our apps wisely and we've only got a small handful of apps. We've got our first intake of customers. So we've now got some website traffic that we can analyze and we can have a look at and we've already made some changes based on that. We've also then spoken to a load of our customers to find out why they came to us, what they liked about it and they've all left us reviews. So we've now got some reviews as well. And also we're getting repeat orders from our customers already. So if we never gain a new customer, we've got repeat orders coming in from those existing customers. So we're going to make all our money back at some point soon, which then means actually we will make it to the million mark. But the second part of the title of this podcast is and top tips to get there quickly. 
So we want to get there quickly. So we don't want to just sit there and go, okay, we're making $50 a month now. So, you know, a million divided by 50, that's how many months we need to go. So I'll be 260 or whatever. <laughs> and then, sorry, that's terrible maths. I'm, yeah, I'm terrible, terrible at doing maths on the spot. But you get the idea. We don't want to have to sit there and wait for ages. We now want to scale up. So scaling, seven points we're going to talk about in terms of scaling up your store. Number one, how to make Google Ads work for you. I'm going to give you some top tips on Google Ads. Number one is contradicting contradicting what I said earlier about learning Shopify and learning how different platforms work. Google Ads, and I'm not just saying this because I am a Google Ads expert, I would highly recommend getting an expert in. The only way to really make ads work effectively for you on Google at the moment is to use a new thing that's come out recently called Performance Max. It's been out for a little while, but now it's become universal. Google has started automatically updating old campaigns into Performance Max. What's Performance Max? Excellent question from all of my listeners. Performance Max is it's essentially Google Shopping which are the little shopping ads you see on Google. So an image price and also the brand that's selling it. So it's quite visual, it's quite qualified when people click on it, so it converts quite well. Performance Max just doesn't just do that bit though. Performance Max then encompasses YouTube and that includes making its own dynamic videos and showing what are called display adverts. So there'll be dynamic ads made in real time using some of your products and other bits and pieces. They'll show on YouTube, they'll show on third-party websites across the web. So that could be forums or news sites, etc. Gmail, ads show on the Gmail platform, people are checking their emails. So if they're getting lots of emails talking about shoes and you sell shoes, chances are Google's going to try and advertise that person a couple of times and see if they click. And if they do click, and the most important thing about Performance Max is, with example, if they click, Performance Max watches everything that's happening on your website and it encompasses everything people are doing across the web at all times, not just the ones you're targeting. And then it starts to target people and run advertising campaigns throughout what we call the whole funnel. So it does prospecting by saying, hey, here's a product you might like on a third party website where they're not Googling it. They haven't shown an interest in it in that particular moment, but Google's already profiled that person and said, we think they might be interested in this. So does everything from the top of the funnel of, hey, might be interested in this to then retargeting and kind of getting hold of people that are looking for the product in the middle of the funnel. And most importantly, the bottom of the funnel, it then targets people that are in a position to convert. So they're ready, like, you know, they're ready with their credit card going, right, I'm buying a new pair of shoes today. Which one should we buy? They naturally see your ad wherever they're looking. They see your advert because Performance Max goes, they're ready to buy. They've been looking at this stuff for ages now. We just need to be there and we'll get the sale. So you need an expert to manage that. There's a lot to it. There's also a whole feed that I won't talk about too much today because I don't want to become a PPC SEO podcast because the danger is it will with me. So you need an expert to support on that. But going back to my point earlier about learning things, the more you know about how this stuff works, the more you will be able to brief that person or that agency better and have a better conversation with them. So I highly recommend almost learning a dangerous amount about PPC. Do some Googling and do some YouTube videos on Google Ads. How does Google Ads work? What's Performance Max? How to run an effective shopping campaign? What's changing in shopping at the moment? Find some case studies and agency sites. What works, what doesn't? Naturally, you will ask much better questions to whichever expert you're talking to. Or if you really feel up to it, run it yourself, learn as much as you can. Some clients we take on have been managing it themselves, getting a decent ROI, but we're there to do, which is this section is about on today's podcast is talking about scaling up. So have a think about what's the best approach, but again, do some reading up. Don't just pick up the phone and go, I don't know anything about this. Let's find someone that does. Really naive. I highly recommend not doing that. Again, you'll get much more from them. You only get out of supply what you put in, which is something we say a lot internally here. Number two, 
going to cover my other favorite topic, which is SEO. So starting SEO yourself. There's a few things, and I talk about SEO quite a lot, so I'll keep it brief. There are podcasts we've done on SEO. Equally, there's millions of guides out there, or you can reach out to us if you want to have a chat about SEO or PPC. We can give you some help, but there's, there's kind of three things I would highly recommend you do at this stage. Actually, we'll make it four. We'll go, we'll go with four now that we're recording. So four things I highly recommend you do on SEO. Number one is have a quick look around to find a keyword tool and write out some keywords. A keyword is just something somebody types into Google to try and find you. Well, the keyword is what you want to target. What they type into Google is what's called the search term. It's the term they've used to search on Google. Why is this important? Well, you want to try and highlight some keywords that you want to rank number one on Google for. Try and choose something with low-ish traffic volumes. Google Keyword Planner will tell you what those volumes are. Step two then is you want to go through your website and start mentioning those keywords all over the place. Don't spam it. The thing you want to try and work out as much as possible from this is you want to work out from that keyword research, you want to work out what, what's in your customers' heads right now. So if they're looking up, for example, we'll go back to the, the shoe example from Billy Footwear. If they're searching up a question like, are there shoes for disabled people or how to put your shoes on when you're disabled? You can talk about that. You could write a blog post about that, linking into all of your shoes saying, we have these shoes. So here's how, to, here's how you can buy a shoe if you're disabled that you can still put on and take off. But this is how to do it. So write some good content about that. And then third point, and then we'll come on to the fourth one in a minute, which I've just added in in my head. Third one then is to, going back to the learning Shopify, make your website load quickly. Make sure your images are nice and small in terms of file size that they load quickly. Make sure that you've got all the basic SEO tags on every single page, which a lot of that stuff's out of the box on Shopify. Again, you can do a quick Google to find out what tags do I need on my site for SEO. And then number four, and this one's probably the hardest bit and the bit the most kind of woolly when it comes to SEO, is PR and brand mentions. So have a think, where could we get a mention from somebody to back to our website and get a link? So someone's reading a particular blog, you might go, well, look, you're asking about a particular type of curtain. We sell that curtain. Reach out to that blogger and say, would you be interested in doing a feature on us? I read this article and absolutely love it. Would you like to do a feature on us? We're happy to pay money if, if required. Sometimes hold that back until they say no and see if that gets them talking. But um, yeah, you want to get you want to get mentions from that blogger to say, right, hey everybody, I'm writing a blog post on XYZ, and actually you can link out from here to these guys who sell this product. Nice and simple. Facebook ads, great way to scale up your business. There were some updates, which a lot of you'll be aware of, iOS updates in June. And since then, I'm afraid to say, and I'm gonna say it publicly now, feel free to drop me an email about this and I'll tell you the full story. We had Facebook lined up to come on the podcast. They were very interested and they didn't come on. And one of the reasons I think they might not have come on is because I wanted to talk about the iOS updates and they didn't. Since there's been some updates to iOS, as in the Apple operating system on iPhone and iPads, since that's happened, Facebook advertising has become incredibly difficult because the data that Facebook gets back that it used to use to target people in terms of who's clicking where and who's buying what, that data is much more limited than it used to be. So Facebook is really, really difficult these days. What a lot of brands are doing now with Facebook is using it as a bit of brand awareness, building their Facebook following, pushing out particular offers. Black Friday tend to use it quite a lot. But brands are still making money on Facebook, but not anywhere near in the same wave of profit as they used to. And it is a real shame. Um, I've had lots of conversations with clients recently and said, oh, what are you doing on Facebook at the moment? And they're like, we're scaling it down. And they're moving budget to Google because Google's working, which is great for me, but it's really bad for A, the business owner, because you don't want them to be too reliant on one 
one channel. B, it's bad for Google ads because Google ads works better when you've got more channels running into your website because it learns from all of those channels. And C, it's obviously bad for the business because then they've lost all that revenue. And it's bad for Facebook. You know, Facebook Facebook is a great platform to be reached. I just think they've, they've just never fully got the tech right in terms of how to reach people. Now, I appreciate we get people on who are Facebook advertising experts and there'll be people listening right now going, Nick, you've got this completely wrong. Appreciate that. Please reach out. We want to get somebody on the show in the near future to talk about how to make Facebook ads really work for you. But a lot of people are really struggling. A lot of Facebook ad agencies I know in the US, a lot of them are diversifying into other channels at the moment because they're getting really hacked off with Facebook. So there we go. You weren't expecting that. A little moan. Facebook ads is a good way to help scale up your business, but probably using it more for brand awareness and getting messages out there as opposed to actually directly getting people to click on ads and come straight into the site. Right, on to the last four, which are a bit more exciting than than those three, I think. Number four, this one's very good, I think. Again, recommended by my team. Mobilize your customers. So what, what you should do, and we spoke about customer reviews, get your customers talking about you, get them feeding into how you change the product, use quotes from them and content from them and videos from them of the product and Instagram pictures they put up of them using your product. You can put all of that across your website. There's a great business that we had on the show a while ago, which I'll be honest, I'm Googling quickly while I'm while I'm talking. I'm pretty sure. Here we go. Video wise. So have a look at video wise. They're good friends of ours. I completely forgot the name. Apologies. Massive mind blank. Video wise allows you to upload a video from a customer wearing your product and it goes straight into that product, literally like a review would from a review platform. So mobilizing your customers, get them talking about you, get them blogging about you, get them on board, get them involved in terms of product development, run focus groups. The more time you engage with your existing customers, the more customers you will find because the best form of marketing is referral marketing. And that's, don't Google that. It's not a thing. Referral marketing is where one of your customers gets asked by a friend, where did you get that from? That's amazing. And your friend says, oh, I got it from so-and-so's online store. Go and check out their store. And then a week later, they text each other going, I've just got one. It's amazing. I know. I told you to get one. It's so good, isn't it? Good product, good marketing, good business, easy to buy from, simple name. Because in that scenario, someone's going to say, oh, I bought it from such and such a business. So the name, the branding needs to be simple yet powerful, like we spoke about earlier. Number five, scaling up. We've already spoken about this, so I'll skim through this one, but email. Email is the way to scale up. If Google disappeared overnight and Facebook ads got worse, <laughs> I was going to say fell apart, got worse. Yeah, if all the big platforms disappeared or say, which happens, say Google just stopped being profitable one month. Nobody knows why, no one knows what's going on, but Facebook stopped being profitable you're stuffed. If Facebook's your only channel, and some of our clients have been like that in the past, so we've been pestering them on our catch-up calls going, get some other channels. You cannot be reliant on one channel. You have to have lots of different channels. They will help each other. You need to be found in all the relevant places. So if you're only found on Google, customers might get a bit suspicious and not trust you as much. You know, these guys look good, but I can only find them on Google. They don't even have an Instagram page or their Instagram page has been updated for six months or they don't have any followers. All these things are so important. So Again, email, get, get, get your emails out, get repeat orders and, and get your customers involved in that as well. If you can tell stories of how your customers are using your product on email, you're naturally going to start selling more products. Number six, so we've got number six, number seven. Number six is partnerships. Something brands do not do enough. We've had a few clients do this recently and we've been calling them saying, you've had this enormous spike in sales. Where on earth has that come from? Partnership is where you might sell sunglasses and somebody else sells sun hats. I know it's a really 
crude example, but bear with me. So you sell sunglasses like I used to. Someone else sells sun hats. You've both got a cool brand, but how often do you buy sun hats? Probably once a year, maybe two or three times in a niche case scenarios or niche scenarios. But yeah, you probably only buy one or two hats a year, maybe even less. Sunglasses, again, you probably only have sort of one, maybe two pairs on the go at any one time. So what the two do is the hat company sends out an email saying, we're offering 25% off a lovely, you know, some friends of ours who sell sunglasses. Click here to go and buy them. And you do the same thing saying, our friends run a hat business and you can have 25% off. It doesn't even have to be an offer, but just as an example. And then you do that almost, you don't swap databases because there's all these laws about customer data and what we can and can't do with it. But you have this little sort of, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours which is great because you're then in front of all their customers. They're all in front of yours. It's on email, so it's right in their inbox. It's right in their face. It's coming from someone that already likes them because they already know who they are because they bought a hat from those guys or some sunglasses from these guys. And that partnership then means you can make loads of sales very, very quickly. This one equally I could have put in the starting section, but in terms of scaling up, getting on those lists is great. Another really good example of partnerships is that I ordered a product recently. I think it was a free shampoo bar from a Shopify store. I think I saw it for free and thought, oh, I'll give that a go. It looks good, eco-friendly, and it's free. You know, I paid two pounds for delivery and the actual shampoo bar was free. When it arrived, there was a little booklet with it that says, check out some of our partners. And I now have all these vouchers sitting on my desk at work, one for a gin company, one for some lady products, I'll call them, another one for some eco-friendly vegan chocolate brand, another one for a travel company, and they've all got discounts on. So again, that's a, there are companies that organize that. So there are companies that say, look, we've got you know 10,000 brands in our books that want to put out these vouchers. Give us a voucher. It costs X amount per customer, like one cent per customer. Send the vouchers to us. We'll send them or send them across to the retailer and they'll start putting these vouchers in orders going... You've ordered a you know lovely new set of champagne glasses from us. Here's a voucher for some champagne from another company. I mean, it doesn't even have to be re- relevant. Like I bought a shampoo bar, which is shampoo in hard form instead of in a plastic squeezy bottle that arrived wrapped in paper. And I've got a piece of paper now that says, would I like some uh, half-priced gin? Which the answer is always yes. I would always have some half-priced gin. So again, partnerships, they work really well. And finally, for scaling up, I've mentioned customers twice already. This one kind of flows from that, but looking at the extreme end of customers, looking at who could become a VIP customer or even better, what is often described as an influencer. So getting people with big followings to start talking about your products. So getting an influencer who's got, I don't know, a million followers on Instagram to say, right, you can have your own range with us or yeah, we're going to have a a particular offer. We're going to push and we want you to push it out there for us. So yeah, all very exciting. That's the end of the scaling section. So just to recap, learn loads about Google ads and make it work for you. Find the right partner. Number two is do SEO yourself first and then try and find a partner to help grow and scale that up. Ideally, once you've got some revenue coming in, because then you can pay the partner out of your revenue, not paying them out of, you know, investment or anything else. Number three is trying to get Facebook ads to work. Use it for some branding to get some ideas out there. And if you can make it profitable, then great. You're doing something really, really well that a lot of brands that have been doing it for years are struggling with. Number four is mobilizing your customers, get them talking about you. Number five, we mentioned already, is email. Get that lifetime value up. Get your customers on your newsletters. Start telling a story. Don't be too salesy. Get them involved. Number six is partnerships. So get a partnership with somebody, get your products in front of somebody else's audience. And number seven is influencers. So get somebody famous, somebody on YouTube or Instagram or something to start talking about your product in front of their audience. Now, 
that's section two. And I mentioned there's a section three. Section three is really short, really simple. Work hard, play hard. One of the things that we don't talk about enough on the podcast, but we often end up on tangents on. And again, I am looking at the moment at a couple of guests we might get on the show for this is you're running a business and a lot of you are running businesses while you're working full-time at the same time. So you're running a Shopify store outside of a nine-to-five, Monday-to-Friday job, which can be a real challenge. Believe me, I've been there. I've run multiple companies at the same time. I've run companies while I'm working full-time. I've been running companies whilst trying to work part-time. I've done it all. It's a nightmare. It's hard to juggle. As soon as you burn out, everything burns out. The business cannot function, especially in the early days. It's just going to be you. So you've got to make sure that you find time to relax and enjoy yourself. One of the things that I like to do from time to time is actually plan forward and think, right, what do I, what am I doing at the moment? I'm not enjoying. What do I want to be doing long-term? And then I make a plan. How do I get there? So one of the things I really want to be doing at the moment is training more new people and seeing people move up the scale. So we're hiring more juniors in our business at the moment and training them up. And we've built an amazing training program to do that. So that's me working hard on one side, but also playing hard because I find that fulfilling. I find it really rewarding to see that happen. Equally in my business, it's 5.17 p.m. right now on a Wednesday afternoon. We finish at 5.15 p.m. every single day and we have pretty much a hard cutoff. We don't like people working out of hours. We like people to have their evenings to themselves which here in the UK, in the agency world, is completely countercultural to what the agency world does. So we have this motto of if people work hard and we work efficiently and we build really efficient systems internally, everyone can go home and not have to work evenings, not have to work weekends. And then means we can also start dishing out more holiday, which is something else we've been doing. So my final point is work hard, play hard. If it's just work, 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 you need to start questioning, when am I going to start playing? When am I going to have fun? When am I going to take some time out? And the most important thing with any business, I would say, is when can you get the business to a point where it can start to run itself, where you can actually have a break, take some time out and not have to do anything for a short while. Thank you so much for listening. You guys have been great, very patient, very quiet and very attentive, which is a sarcastic way of saying I can't hear any of you. So I hope I hope this has been really useful for you all. It's been actually pleasure having you all tuning in. I hope this has helped. We'll be back again next week with another episode. We've got another guest lined up, which is already in the diary. So I can confirm that will all be recorded nicely ahead of schedule. If you want to come on the show, you want to sponsor, or you've got any ideas, any feedback for us, please go on winningwithshopify.com. Leave us a little message via any one of the forms there. They all come through to Byron and he does a great job of sorting through who said what. Byron is my assistant. You might heard on the podcast in the past thanks again back again next week and i hope you will take care thanks for listening to today's podcast you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for exclusive offers at winningwithshopify.com and don't forget to check out our facebook group by searching for winning with shopify on facebook over and out